Then put your little hand in mine There ain't no hill or mountain we can't climb Welcome to Groundhog Minute, the podcast where we celebrate the 1993 classic Groundhog Day one repetitive minute at a time. I am one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm your other host, Dave. And joining us again today, we have special guest Heidi Bennett from Cabin Minutecast and Spinal Tap Minute. Welcome. Howdy ho. Thanks for having me back. Yeah. Thank (laughs) you for coming back. Mm -hmm. Thank you. (laughs) All right. And we are all back, as you are listeners, back for Minute 22. So lay it on us, Dave. What's what's happening with Minute 22? So as we were discussing yesterday, Ned's really... Like aggressively now trying to, I feel uh, push the life insurance on Phil, and once again Phil forgets that pothole. Uh, now Phil gets a real weird sense of deja vu entering Gobbler's Knob, and he says he uh, he asks Rita for a favor. That's we end that minute. Yeah, it's a little bit of a cliffhanger minute. There. Mm. Yeah. So back. So let's let's start with Phil. I mean, uh, sorry, Ned. All right, I'm letting, I'm letting you go with Ned. I got I got I got a I got a film note, but I want to have your okay. your Ned note first. <laughs> All right. Well, the one thing I picked up from Ned on this minute is he does that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, am I right or am I right? Or am I right? Right. Right. He he does that, and that's a callback to uh, minute eleven. He does the same thing. And but the circumstances are totally different. Like the conversation, what Phil is giving him, Phil's side of this conversation is completely different from what we saw earlier in the movie. Ned is we talked about it yesterday, he, he's reacting a little bit, like he's stepping up his salesman game, he's jumping ahead in the steps just because mm-hmm. Phil recognizes him right away. But he's repeating a lot of the same things, and it's not just oh, he's he's selling insurance. But he's saying a lot of the same things, and, and particularly that that am I right thing. And the, the note I have on that is just um, we, we do things. We do the things we do. And even in, you know, we think we're reacting to the outside world. We think, well, I'm doing the same thing because, you know, the people around me are the same thing. I'm going to the same office. I'm in the same situation. I'm getting the same stimuli. So of course, I'm going to provide the same reaction. But here we see, no, the, the stimulus is different. The world is a little bit different, not hugely different. It's a little bit different than it was early in the movie. But Ned is reacting the same way. Ned is doing what Ned does mm-hmm. because he's Ned. It's not because of the world. So I think it feeds into... um one of my interpretations of this movie, uh, the, the denialistic aspect of it, that uh, there's, you know, we really need to look inside ourselves to answer our physical, our, our philosophical questions. And as far as like, you know, why do we do the things we do? Why are we happy or why are we unhappy? Or, you know, what's just what's going on in your life? Um, I feel is an internal question and, and you're responding to internal struggles and I think that's what Ned's displaying here. It's, 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 you know, it's, it's, um, it's a relatively innocuous thing. It's a little habit, but I think it just goes to show that he, it's not, he's not doing in reaction to the outside world. Ned is Ned because of who Ned is inside of him. And part of, you know, and part of that is 
being this annoying insurance salesman. That's kind of who Ned is. Yeah, I just I agree. He I think he's he has his plan, but he's just so I feel like everything just feels like just a little bit turned up a bit. Everything seems a little bit more aggressive with him now. And mm-hmm. and I, I wanted to, I, I, I had this note I saw yesterday, but I wanted to save it till tonight today. Is I, I went back and I looked and Phil actually gets his coat on as he leaves the as he leaves his bedroom. Whereas on on day one of Groundhog Day, he actually has it under his arm and then he goes down and then and then he puts the sweater and everything on as he's telling talking to Mrs. Lancaster. But today he actually had the uh, the coat on and the scarf on and even and he has the scarf on more disorganized than he did on day one. Day one, he had the, the scarf very neatly pressed in a V shape into his into his uh, coat. But now it's more of a fold over one and done. And mm-hmm. his hair is about the same. So I'm guessing he still washed his hair the same way. Um, yeah, but I want to keep yeah. I'm going to keep just see if I ever get those little hints in the future minutes, because I think we went from him on what he believed was in control of day one and aggressive. Second one, we're seeing he's more uh, he's more anxious about things, more yeah. nervous, tentative. And yeah. I think third, I think we're going to see it ramp up. I think we're going to see all of his little emotions, his little bag of uh, of things he hides from people start to really escalate when we when we get to, uh, you know, a possible, I guess you'd say. But yeah, this day is going to repeat. Let's not let's not let's let's spill that at least. <laughs> Yeah. But um but yeah, like I I'm very interested now noticing that his coat changes demeanor getting outside. He that anxious of just I need to get outside the bed and breakfast. And uh obviously he's not trying to make it fun now. He wants to anxiously get away from Ned. Everything's just more anxious and quickly. He wants to try and get somewhere, I guess, safe for his mind. I don't and I don't know where that is. Because like he doesn't want to be in this town. So nowhere's safe for him. Right. Wow, I like I like that connection between the like emotional and mental state of Phil and the physical state that what we see. Um, so yeah, and I had picked up on a little bit of difference where well, because I was wondering about the coffee cup um, in this minute, or I guess yesterday, as he's leaving the bed and breakfast, he's holding a cup, and he's not in the. Um, the first time around in like minute nine ten, he's he's not. He's putting his jacket on. So as he's talking to Mrs. Lancaster and he's saying, Oh, chance of departure 100 percent he's putting his coat on as he's saying that. And obviously it's very you can't have like a full cup of coffee as you're putting a, a coat on. I thought he put the coffee cup down somewhere, like on a on a sill. I thought yeah. he put the coffee cup down, then he unholstered his coat, wrapped it around him and everything, and then got the cup. And did it one motion. That's why I thought he had the cup. Right. You don't, I don't, I didn't see it. I don't think you see it. It does. Yeah. It does look like he puts his coat on, he turns around and he's like, it kind of looks like he's picking something up off a ledge that we don't see. We never see him sip the coffee. That's the one thing I, we've yet to see. And right. actually sip the coffee, and, the coffee and discard the coffee. So I assume he's somewhere between leaving the Cherry Street and, and getting to this corner of the main street. He drinks yeah. the coffee and he probably throws it in one of those groundhog trash cans. <laughs> groundhog it. trash. Tra- yeah. So, yeah. And then this time around, he's walking out. He's already got his coat and scarf on as he's walking out the door. And we see him holding um, 
holding the cup. Now there is a little um, continuity error where when he when we see him leaving the bed and breakfast, he it's a bare hand that's holding the cup. And then when we see him outside, when he's like questioning the woman crossing the street, where's everybody going? Then he's got his gloves on. All right. This sounds dumb. I'm going to give it benefit of the doubt. Do you think that there is a small annex in the bed and breakfast? I did. I wonder, yeah, if there's like a mud room or a small entryway that when we see him walk out, it's not to the outside. And there's only, yeah, only because when Mrs. Lancaster installed that to keep the temperature uh, warm in the house to have that little a little <laughs> alcove room, you know. Like obviously the re- a regular, a good old house, you're not going to worry about it too much, even in probably the coldest of weather. But I'm thinking you know because you're going to have people coming in and out of the of the the house throughout the, the the morning and evening. You're right. Do you want do you want so much of that morning air? And I don't really know about the door. I do not know if the door matches what he's pulling. Is it the same door built on the outside? You're right. And and I I, <laughs> I can hear Heidi thinking, aren't we supposed to be talking about minute twenty two? <laughs> this is this is Groundhog Day. We can go back and we can talk about minute twenty one every day if we want to. But you're right. If you go back to like minute or second two, second three, the very beginning of minute twenty one, we're outside. We still we see Phil walking out towards us. There's two sets of doors. Great. So you're right. There's the door that he goes through when he's leaving that lobby area or the dining area, that's not a door to outside. That's a door to this little vestibule, mud room, whatever. And then there's a second door. So maybe that's he stops there. He straightens his scarf. He puts his gloves on. That's why he looks different when he gets outside. Yeah. Yep. Right you know, there, beginning of minute 21, you see the two doors. The, the, yeah, the more I thought about it, the more I'm like, you know, that's where you would mm-hmm. want to store your galoshes and your rain boots and your um and your big winter right. coats. You want to carry them through the house so the guests probably have – there's some coat hanger hooks there and there's right. some, some rubber mats she has down. So people yeah, like a mud room, a mud yeah. room situation. So, yep. so yeah, so, see, Mrs. <laughs> Lancaster's smart, you know? She, she's a smart demon. She's a smart devil child woman. Oh yeah, yeah. So I, <laughs> I, oh, yes, I have a question for you guys. What is a gobbler's knob? Um, do you want to handle that one, Dave? Uh, I mean, I can wing this one. That's funny. That's that's the one thing I did not search, and I don't know why I didn't think about that. I got you know what I just I got to figure out what a like what their reference of a knob is if it's like a, if it's like a. Uh, like, you know, knob, boom, you're thinking door. So I'm thinking knob is kind of like a knoll. It's kind of like a gathering hole or something or, mm. or somewhere in the woods. Because I'm trying I'm trying to think. Don't think of it as it is in this movie. In this movie, it's the center of town with a gazebo. It's not like that in the real world. So I have to reply the real world terms. So, and okay, okay. now I will now look. I will, uh, I'm not going to do it right now, but I will research that. Um, for for a future time when we get when when we're hanging around Gobbler's <laughs> Knob again, um, because you're right uh, that 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 probably means something. Uh, it's probably an old Dutch term. It's probably some old Dutch term. That's all. That's that's my best winging it. Is that it? Yeah, no, that's that's a good wing it because mm-hmm. I I mean I was thinking about this. You know, it was reminding me a bit of Stars Hollow here, and I was thinking about how much fun uh, Lorelai Gilmore would have at the prospect of meeting up at the Gobbler's Knob. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, that Hollow. That's it's such a little a little quaint little middle you know um, little town, little center of town. 
but the real world, it's outside the town. And the best I can think of is, you know, um, you know, gobble, you think food. So it, it could be some kind of, uh, yeah, some kind of farming term for, uh, some kind of maybe like, uh, eat, eat, marry, be plenty kind of, uh, harvest term. Once again, I'm winging this. I am BSing it. <laughs> if it's, if, I, if I'm wrong, that's because I was winging it. No, but that I is like my, it. I think if you, if you hadn't told everyone you were winging it, because I might, we, we would buy it. Because like if people on Twitter, you know, hey, uh, Groundhog Minute, twitter.com, you know, message us if you know the term, like by the time you hear this, but I'm going to, I'm going to honest to God research that. And see what in the real world Punxsutawney refers it to, and that's why I'm believing. I'm believing it's it's uh it's got to be some old some old Dutch term about harvesting. That's my that's my best idea of where the groundhog uh, and and all winter festivals came from. Sounds good. I look forward to hearing what your research <laughs> uncovers. I'm I'm honestly going to type that on my notepad. Yeah, we'll just edit it in so it'll sound like. We know what we know what's going on. It'll make it'll sound like we prepare. Yeah. So I, I kind of figure my my hunch is that knob it's some kind of like woodland term. Like a a, a knob mm. is it you know, because they're not talking about a doorknob, I'm assuming. So a knob is probably a feature. Maybe that's you know, maybe that's the old Dutch term for a hole in the ground. Yeah. For the uh the burrow that the groundhog lives in. That's that's what a knob is, because like Dave, like Dave said, the actual gobbler's knob is is outside of town. It's not right in the center square the way it is in the movie. Um, so yeah, maybe that's a, it's a physical or geographical feature is knob, and then gobbler, old you know, old, old man gobbler. Um, <laughs> it could be that. It honestly, could be that. It could be an old farmer name, you know. Um, old, old old farmer gob, you know, gobbler, old man gobbler, yeah. and uh, he had gophers living on his farm or could groundhogs. So before we enter Gobbler's Knob, I want to bring up the pothole one more time. And I think it's really interesting yes. watching it this time, how in a, in, a, in a roundabout sense, the pothole is the best thing for Phil getting away from Ned because it's like an instant change of topic. And it, it, it pretty much like, cause if we, when we look at it, really, we haven't seen much more evidence is that Ned really doesn't bother Phil anymore. And I wonder if it's because of the pothole. He gets to he gets to see Phil humiliated, and he laughs, and he gets out of his system, and he kind of just like lets him go. And so it's kind of nice that 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 Phil probably if if Ned sees Phil again, he probably won't circle back to do another sales pitch. He'll probably be like, "I got what I needed out of Phil. I got a good laugh at watching him suffer in a frozen pothole." I like it. Sounds good to me. I like it a lot. I think it's it's. <laughs> It's it's literally like you're having you have an argument with somebody and then you turn around and slip and trip and you're kind of like, oh, man, like now I'm not even mad anymore. Like I got what I wanted because, you know, you have this like you for that for those moments you had such this disdain for this person during this this immediate argument. You're arguing about something and then they like trip and fall and make a fool of themselves on a banana peel or something. And you like get to have that laugh and you're kind of like, hey, if we could end this feud right now, I'm happy with it because I kind of got. I got a great thing out of it. I got to watch you just make a, a fool out of yourself. So I think that's, I think the extra, the pothole is the best. It's really is. It's kind of like a period on, on Ned. He's like, you know what? I don't, I don't need to bother Phil. I got the best thing out of it. I, Cause at first you're right. It's, it's him trying to pitch life insurance to a single guy that 
you probably he doesn't he's not married from my opinion he he sees escorts he does not have a steady girlfriend <laughs> yes we've already, we've heard your escort theory <laughs> so so yeah like there's money's not gonna go to any uh dependent so yeah it's like oh i'll try and sucker him out of some money i'll get some commission i know it's even better i get to watch that man just make a fool of himself in a yeah. coal pothole <laughs> i'm gonna go on my day now yeah, I really like that because it's it's an interesting – I think it works well just as a filmmaking device because we see we see Ned the Bull. We see him going at it and, and you know, he sees an opportunity, goes for it. Why does he let Phil go? But we need – you know, he has to let Phil go because we need mm-hmm. to transition to the next scene in the knob with – Rita and Larry. So we've got to get rid of Ned somehow. And Ned is the type of person who is not easy to get rid of, as he makes clearly known. So this is a nice little punctuation mark, kind of as a device. Just it ends the last scene. Yeah, like you said, it gives Ned kind of a a closure that he feels like he got the best of this exchange. And then Phil can go on his way. And then we get... um. I mean, some really good yeah. acting, I think, from Bill Murray, just in the few seconds. Um, the, 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 the frustration, I mean, again, the, just it's a freezing cold day. And this is um, like, this is not an ordinary pothole. Yeah. He goes in up to the knee into this thing, as we said in minute 12. So now he's got half a leg mm-hmm. in freezing water. We see the ice floating in this thing. So and, and now and on top of that, it's yeah. this again. <laughs> this you know what is going on with this day? The yeah, the frustration, the bewilderment, bewilderment, just the the kind of starting to question existence. I think even at yeah, this point, they they probably did film this scene right after they filmed the first time he, he they filmed it. So you know how Raymond probably tells Bill, okay, it's your first time going through. You're aggravated with everybody and you're bored and you're annoyed. He goes, okay. And he walks through the whole town and he, you know, he's got his nice his suits looking nice. And then like, all right, we're going to film it again. This is your first time through. You're getting very worried. You're thinking you're getting hard deja vu. And that's what he does is he like, he is okay. We got. I got to change the suit a bit. So the easiest thing for Bill Mary to do that worry about consistency is he ties a scarf differently rather mm-hmm. than tucking it nicely into his coat. He now does this wrap, wrap, roll kind of quick with the because it looks it looks it looks like a hurried a hurried scarf. You're like oh, I gotta go out the door. And you do the scarf really quickly. And then I'm gonna definitely look forward to future minutes how he's yeah. doing, how he's getting out of the house, how he's getting the gobbler's knob, how he's. Um, uh, yeah, wearing wearing his own outfit. Is he more and more disheveled? Is he more and more scared? Because right now, yeah, he's nervous, and he keeps doing double takes. Like he's like his head's never still. He's like swiveling because it is. It's like him essentially doing that like record. But I've already seen it before. I've seen the posters. I've seen the people. I've smelled the, you know, I smelled the the the, the barrels on fire. Yeah. Um. Even when he's going up the stairs, he's doing these double double takes at like the cops and stuff. So he must have got a good like look at them and being like, I'm getting deja vu. I've definitely never seen these cops before. I've never seen these local police. Like, why am I? He's like that whole time. He's just going up the stairs. Like, what? what? I, I seen this guy. Why have I seen this guy? Yeah. Like, I like the way you said it, like the head on the swivel that he's just constantly looking around and it's probably weirding him out because. He's yeah. recognizing these people. It's like I I come to this town once a year. I do this 
stupid groundhog thing. I get out of town as soon as possible, speaking to as few people as possible. Why do I recognize all these people? Yeah. It's like right now trying to remember what everyone wore at the Christmas party. It's impossible. You'll never remember. But he has this feeling of, I shouldn't know. remember. My brain should be running off of all these details. But it is. It's going, oh, remember that? Remember that? Remember that? I shouldn't be. And that's what his head's doing. It's it's like he's like he's scanning the whole room and he remembers all these all these coats, all these sweaters, all these people. And he's like, this isn't am I remembering last year? Is it am I just remembering last year? Is it so similar? Like that I'm remembering it very vividly? And and here's the other thing. Rita was not there last year. So he knows if he sees Rita mm. again, he's getting a deja vu of Rita. He's like, but Rita's the right. she's the she's like the she's the she's the odd one out. He probably did alone with Larry last year. Yeah, I was just going to say that I, I <clears throat> like I said last episode, that I didn't go back through and watch the whole movie. So it's actually been quite a while since I've seen the whole movie. And I'm curious to watch it all again after going through um, <laughs> coach certification and compassion cultivation training because that this is the journey, right? So to me, when I'm when I'm looking at what he's doing, I'm thinking like, okay, so for the first time around, he's closed off, he's agitated, he doesn't really want to connect with the world. And the second time around, he's still a little bit agitated, but maybe he's, you know, in the first one, maybe he's feeling a bit more of a, mm-hmm. you know, braggadocio-ness, but this one maybe he's being a little more curious, but agitated. And then, you know, as we kind of become a little bit more self-aware through time, hopefully, you know, we end up at the end where we're feeling, you know, more compassionate and, um, you know, connected with people and sort of, you know, appreciating them and ourselves for who we all are, but this is the journey. (laughs) So I'm, I'm really, yeah, I just, I really want to go back through and watch this again because I just think I'll have a different perspective on it. And so it's nice to, to, you know, sit here and analyze it with you guys at this this micro level and really see what his body language and 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 his great, you know, facial work is telling us and, and giving us food mm. for thought. Yeah, I'm sure there was anything else that really noticed here, but yeah, um that yeah, the head on the swivel was the one note that really stuck out to me that he really he's just taking it all in and not understanding why he why he's noticing so many things. Um, so yeah, it's definitely more anxious. Like he's like, he's, I mean, I don't, I, maybe there could have been a moment earlier in this, these minutes where I could have, uh, theorized he could still think he's doing a waking dream of just like, Oh, I must be having a weird dream where I remember the day I just had, but we're definitely long past (laughs) that. He's walked blocks. He's, he's probably, he's probably slumped himself. Yes. So I wonder Heidi as a, um, as a coach, that works with creative people. Um, one of the things we're going to see in this movie is, as you kind of alluded to, the the new way, like the new eyes mm-hmm. that Phil starts to bring just from the repetition that he starts. And kind of similar to what we do watching these movies one minute at a time, we start to see things we haven't seen before and, and start to think of things in different ways. Um is there anything you do and do you have any like tricks or suggestions to kind of speed the process along? There, there's some estimates that 
um, for for how many days Phil goes through. There's some estimates that say Phil spends ten thousand years mm. all together in Punxsutawney reliving uh, the same day over and over again. And if you've got if you've got a creative per- creative person who's in some kind of rut or writer's block or, or, or kind of thing, and you want to free them up to see things in a new way, you probably don't want to spend ten thousand years doing right. it. Right. So yeah, it all it definitely all comes from your um, your mindset. You know, that that's like a word you hear a lot in like corporate coaching or, you know, stuff like that, like mindset, what's your mindset, mindset, mindset. But what that really means is like that you're starting to view the world with a different through a different lens. And the the way I like to say it in a more simple term is to be curious over being judgmental. So just him st- him waking up and starting the day with curiosity versus being judging or having a um, having an attachment to what the outcome is going to be or thinking you already know what the outcome is going to be. That's a great yes. way to, to do it. And then, you know, for somebody who's creative, but for everybody, really, the first thing I would do is I'd, I'd step out that door and walk in a different direction, you know, just <laughs> change your view and yeah. see what happens. Right, because he's it's that that thing of of um, what they what is what's that saying? I, I never quite get it quite right. The the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result, or expecting the same result is the insanity. Yeah, doing the same thing and expecting the same result. I think it's expecting a different result because you're getting frustrated that life isn't going oh, right. your yeah. way. No, you're right. So that's why I'm crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, um, it's 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 approaching the world with more curiosity and openness to to connecting with others and not you know but not be set in our ways or thinking that the world is against us. You know, that's the number one thing to change is going. Mm-hmm. What if the world was for me? What if we were all here? It, it, it's it's not really a woo thing. It's more of a eh, what if I stepped out of this door and thought what's going what's going right and it's it's also not a, a it's also not a pollyanna way of looking you know <laughs> like positivity i think can get a bad rap because it's like oh just step out of the door smiling mm-hmm. you don't really have to do that but if you're just open to kind of being patient with the day and seeing what it brings you mm. that's I that's love a it. good start Insightful. yeah that's yeah that's really great and i, I like that i think that that feeds into um one of the, I don't know, paradoxes, best word, like one of the paradoxes of this movie, you talk about not judging or not prejudging, not going in with the weight of your expectations. And usually that means doing something different, seeing it from a new point of view, turning left instead of turning right, you know, kind of shake up your routine. But it happens, mm-hmm. it happens to Phil that he gets over his his judgments and his expectations and everything and he but he does it through the process of doing the same thing over and over again or at least going through the same day repeatedly that he kind of has to keep doing it till till he can do it freely without everything that he brings to it or everything you know right. everything that he brought to it the first time all his preconceived notions and, and judging the town and the people and everything and, and all his expectations that, yeah, he's got to lose those and, and come at it new. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. That's good stuff. <laughs> well, I mean, I can't, I can't talk no, that. 
I got nothing else for, for no, 22. That's, that's, no, that's, no, that's a good way to leave it off outside of me just rambling about Gobbler's Knob Boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it, guys. Let's close this mother out. Yeah, I think we end, we end on a high note. Definitely. We can't beat that. So, Heidi, thank you very much again for joining us and, and, and bringing those great words. My pleasure. <laughs> Thanks for inviting me to, to join you, fellas. Oh, let the listeners know. Where the uh, where where they can find you and uh, and hear more wise sage advice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I actually will be debuting my own podcast. Well, where I will be talking with other multi creatives, and we will be talking about this kind of stuff. How do we, you know, how do we um, respect and respect our own creative process, and how do we change our mindset so that we can, you know, get get the most out of our lives and live happily and and creatively and collaborate successfully like we're all doing here. So uh, I'll definitely be um, letting people know about that. You can follow me at um, my website is HeidiBennett.com, but on, on Twitter, I'm Heidi M Bennett and uh, on Instagram, I'm also Heidi M Bennett. And that's where you can find, you know, my coach related and personal related stuff. And then of course, with the podcasts, it's cabin minute cast and then good old spinal tap minute. There's both at <laughs> those.com <laughs> cabin minute cast.com and spinal tap minute.com. And that's it. All right. Yeah, great. And so that is it for us for today. Thank you, Heidi, for joining us. Uh, thanks all the folks out there in podcast land for listening And we will see you tomorrow, if there is one.